Today, today we'll be in the book of John, uh, chapter 1, starting with verse 12 and going through 13. Uh, John, chapter 1, uh, 12 through 13. The Word of God says this, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Dear Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together here this morning. We pray, Lord, that you'll watch over us, that you'll continue to uh, help us as we go through trials, as we continue to go through uh, issues. Lord, we pray that you'll watch over this country, you'll watch over our community, watch over our church and the people that make it up. Lord, I pray that you'll continue to uh, bless and Remember all those that are sick within our church, all those that are going through uh, these different things. Lord, I pray that you'll watch over the scripture, that you'll bless it, that you'll continue to uh, continue to direct us and guide us. And Lord, just to use us in a mighty way this morning. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. You know, as we've read uh, this particular scripture, I, I thought about it as I've studied this week about uh, how many sinners uh, there are. And... We have to, I'll ask you, you know, think about it this morning, uh, you know, are you a sinner? You know, can can I see the hands, can you raise your hand and say that I'm a sinner? And uh, some of you know that I've maybe asked this before, that you know, we, we know that we're sinners, but uh, some of us know better, some of us don't know, don't, don't know better, but why do so many of us see ourselves as sinners? Well, it's because we've sinned. Uh, for many of us, that's that's our identity. Before we met Jesus, that's our identity. But once we trusted in Christ and became born again, we've got a new identity. In fact, according to the Bible, when we trusted Christ, we ceased from being sinners, and now we're called saints. So let's let's pursue this identity issue uh, just just for a little bit this morning. Uh, are you a sinner because you sin? Are you a thief because you stole something? Are you a failure because you failed at something? Well, most of you and many of us would agree with what I just said. You know, these statements are they're statements of identity. They identify us with an action or a, or a series of actions that we've done in our lives. And people have always associated with their identity with their actions, uh, with what they do. Uh, for example, if you're a carpenter, if you do carpentry for a living, you're a carpenter. If you manage people, you're a manager. If you play guitar, you're a guitarist. Uh, I would like to suggest that I believe the devil wants us to think that way. He does. It is the devil's strategy that we believe we are what we do. He wants us to believe that our identity comes from what we do. He, It is through this that we can be imprisoned. He can keep us in prison and shame and worthlessness and weakness. And he can make us feel powerless to change our lives. He can chain us to a performance-based living and hopelessness to ever achieving this elusive golden ring on the merry-go-round of life 
But God works differently. God calls us into being which is not. God calls us to trust his son as our savior. And in doing so, he declares that we have a brand new identity and a brand new nature. You see, God gets it right side up. He declares that we are saints, our sons, uh, and then our actions begin to conform to that identity. This is a fundamental principle at work in this. God knows that what we believe about ourselves, listen to me now, he, he knows that what we believe about ourselves will ultimately influence our behavior. What you believe about yourself will influence how you do things. If you think you're a failure, you will end up failing. If you think that you are a winner, a lot of times you will end up winning at things. We we have a thing about ourselves. We believe in ourselves, and he knows that's how we see ourselves, has, has power over how we live. He knows that when we see ourselves the way he sees us, it'll change our lives. He he declares every Christian to have a brand new identity, an identity that is so revolutionary in its meaning that it will change not only our lives, but the world itself. And the devil has a stake in preventing you from doing this. Just as we've read this scripture, John chapter 1, 12 through 13, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but it says, but of God. Before we trusted in Jesus Christ, the Bible calls us children of wrath. That's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, or the children of the devil. Why? Because we were separated from God because of sin, because our hearts were opposed to God and at war with his purposes because our lives were living according to the flesh. Romans 9, 8, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. But there's good news. God desires that you become his child. God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, so he could take on human form and flesh and to bear your sins and mine and to bear the penalty that they deserved. He died with those sins on his body and he rose again on the third day. He did this so that by believing in him, you could become a child of God. According to the passage that we just read, it says all who received him to those who believed all, all who received him believed and he gave. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you understand what all is, but all is you. The condition is belief and trust, the reception of the gift of his love. The context is to turn from a self-led life and to let God take over. Our passage, it keeps going and it says, he gave the power to become the children of God. When you place your trust in Jesus Christ for your life, for your sins, for your acceptance before God, the Bible says that he makes you his child. The world, the word uh, become, 
isn't speaking about a process. It isn't speaking about a transformation. It isn't talking about a 10-step program. It's something that we do immediately. It's a transformation. When you place your trust in Christ, God changes you from a child of wrath to a child of God. By the phrase, he gave the power to become children of God, it means that God gives you the power to become what you could not become on your own. It's explained further in the next verse. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's verse 13. Becoming a child of God is a sovereign act of God. It's not an achievement by man. Going to church, being good, being raised in the church, getting baptized, getting baptized seven times, you know, uh, saying certain things, they won't make you a child of God. Having Christian parents, uncles, aunts, won't make you a child of God. It will only make you a child of wrath born of Christian parents. You become a child of God by faith, by responding to the fact that God is calling out your name. In Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You become a child of God by God's choice. He draws you. He calls your name and you get a choice to respond to his invitation or reject his invitation to trust Jesus Christ and to become his child by faith. We respond to Christ's work on the cross by acknowledging our need for forgiveness and by trusting what Jesus did on our behalf. We are changed from the inside out. God puts a brand new spirit and a brand new set of desires in, inside of us. Ask this question to yourself right now. Am I a child of God? I believe God is calling you today. I believe he is. If, if he is, you can become his child today. You can respond to his invitation to follow him today by faith. Now, today you can bow your heads and you can pray. You can say, Lord, help me. You can say, Lord, help me. Perhaps your answer to this question was, yes, I am his child. If so, the rest of this message is for you. It is also for everyone who prayed to become a child of God. I would like to I would like for you to leave here and understand and fully comprehend the wonderful privileges that you have as a child of God. So many of us address as God as Father when we pray. Our second passage is 1 John 3:1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. John is overwhelmed by the degree of love that the Father has shown. He, he marvels at how great the love really is. He says that it is lavished on us. It is bestowed upon us. And when you think of it, there is every reason to be amazed how great the love of the Father has bestowed upon us. Bestowed, what, what does that really mean? It means that he has freely given. He has abundantly poured out on us that this is the love God has given us freely in abundance. 
and he has done it so richly that he now calls us his children. He hasn't just saved you from hell or given you a ticket to heaven or given you a pass to enter into the streets of glory. He has called you into his family as his child, not as a subject of his kingdom or a slave in his household. You are his child. You know, in the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire, uh, ownership of slaves was commonplace. It was very normal for slaves to exist in the Roman Empire, and there were captives normally of other countries, and they were brought back and they worked without pay, without pay for a master. And a lot of the masters were brutal. A lot of the masters were rough on their slaves, and a few were kind and treated them well. But occasionally, a master would not have any children of his own. So he would go to a slave that he favored and adopt him. That person would no longer be a slave. At that point, that person would become an heir. He would rule in the home. He wouldn't be a, a slave any longer. And imagine being that slave and being freed from bondage and duty and now being loved heir with all the rights of the household, of the family name, and of the master himself. That is that lavish love. That is that... That is that love that he's talking about. It's just poured out and bestowed upon us. What is more amazing is, is we weren't that favored slave. We were living in opposition to God. We weren't even interested in God, yet he called us by name. He invited you to come to him and become his child. That is nothing short of amazing. It should change the way we think about ourselves and about God. I'd like you to take a moment and think about some of the, the feelings of worthlessness that many, many of us have experienced in our lives. As a child, I felt worthless each of the many times I broke things as I was growing up. As a, a teenager, I felt worthless when I didn't make the, the catch at a ball game. I, I might have felt worthless when I wrecked my mom's car at 15 years old, driving with them in the car with me. I might have felt worthless when I made wrong turns, ended up in the wrong place. We felt worthless when we backed into a parked car or I backed into hitting a motorcycle one time. I felt worthless after making mistakes on my job and getting chewed out by my boss. I felt clumsy, uh, untalented, unwanted, ignorant, worthless. I've even been called ignorant to my face by another pastor before. I can't count the number of times I felt that way about myself. You probably all had similar experiences. You probably all had the same kind of emotions, but there is no reason for me to feel worthless. There is no reason for you to feel worthless. The words of God spoken to us in this text provide an eternal message of comfort. No matter how worthless you or I might feel, God tells us otherwise. He says, child of God, you are worth something. This is true only because of the Father's love. It's been lavished on us. It's been poured out on us. We are worthwhile because God purchased you and won you by his blood. We were nothing. And God made us something in Christ. He sees us as that precious child for whom he died. Look at our value in Christ. God does not love us because we are valuable. 
Rather, we are valuable because God loves us. Our value comes from being the object of God's love. God's love is constant, never fluctuates, never changes as we do certain things, and so is our worth. Unlike equipment and facilities or or, or properties that depreciate in value, our value does not diminish when we make mistakes. Our value does not diminish when we gain weight. Our value does not diminish when we when our boss treats us badly. Our, our value does not diminish if our best friend uh, leaves us behind because our worth comes from God, not from within ourselves. God sees us as his children. God does not want our main image of ourselves to be negative. We need to see ourselves through his eyes. What does God say about us? What does God see in me or you? Knowing how God judges worth changes our perspective on worth. It starts with the way you judge yourself, you measure your own self-esteem. Do you see yourself as unattractive, as ugly? Do you go to a mirror and you say, God says, look at my beautiful child. Are you not intelligent as you'd like to be? Do you feel like you're a dummy? (laughs) Do you feel ignorant? God says, look at my brilliant child filled with wisdom and knowledge of Christ. Do you believe your personality is dull or boring? And God says, look at my exciting child who has the joy of the gospel in his heart. Do you feel poor because you have less than someone else? And God says, look at my wealthy child possessing the glorious riches of Christ. Are you getting old? Are you conscious of your age? And God says, look at my vibrant young child who has a brand new life each day in Christ. God sees you very differently than you see yourself. God does not want you to remain in the captivity to the lies of Satan. God desires that you see the freedom and the privilege that comes with being a child of God. And God says so many things positively about you and I in his word. Why don't we believe them? Why don't we believe what God says? Perhaps we've never come to grips with all that being a child of God means, what it contains, what is written about us. When those lies about your value come, renounce them. Tell the truth. Uh, He says, I urge you to hold every thought captive and to cast down these vain imaginations that rise up. If you've been struggling with self-depreciation, if you have this negative self-image or you're getting your your value from what you can or do or what you can't do, pray. Pray to be released from this bondage. Each and every time that we have this 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 thought, we make a mistake and we've I have been guilty more times than not about saying, "Hey, we're we're all sinners," but I want you to know something, being a sinner does not define you. If you're a Christian today, you've accepted Christ, that does not define who you are. What you do, what you say, where you go, that does not define you. You are defined by the blood of Jesus Christ that has been applied to your life. You are valuable. You are worthwhile. You are great. You are, I want to say you're perfect because you've been saved by Jesus Christ. We have so much more than we really think about.
in our lives. We can be released from the bondage. You're not broke. You're rich upon the main glories of God. You're not dumb. You're a genius because you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We are not defined by our actions or by literally who we are in this world. We're defined by a supreme ruler, a supreme Jesus, a sovereign Lord that loves us. I hope that we realize what our worth is today. I hope that you all have a good day, that you have a good week, that we continue to remember just how valuable we are in Jesus' eyes.